as a timely response to chaos. Wednesdays with Wolf is a contemplative podcast for wisdom, featuring thought-provoking conversations between Reverend Gola Wolf Richards and Marie Sola. Hello, all you Wednesday with Wolfers. Welcome, welcome to another podcast with the fabulous, fantastic, fabuski <laughs> Wolferino, also known as Gola Wolf Richards. Hello, Wolf. Hi, Marie. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine. And, and I should probably, in transparency, let the listeners know that I am drinking a large mocha latte right now. Okay. Um, Go coffee. Yeah, which is a little scary uh, for those of you who don't know me because I, caffeine and I <laughs> have a love-hate relationship and I don't drink a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, bear You'll with be me. you just fine. I can't be held responsible for any insanity that might ensue. <laughs> we will be fine for sure. Yeah. So, Wolf, you've been warned and thank okay. you in advance for putting up with me. <laughs> Are you kidding? A pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Well, before we get started on our contemplative conversation, mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering if you saw this past week about the little girl, the two-year-old girl, Cash Quest, uh, from, uh, she's from the States, and she was named the youngest person in the United States to become a member of Mensa. I did see somewhere a reference to that. I definitely did. Yeah. Isn't that wild? She has, right now, uh, they have her at 146 IQ. She's two years old. Mm-hmm. Isn't that incredible? So look at the future. Like, I feel like there's all these, like, super kids coming, like these super advanced souls or something are coming in in some of these young children right now. It's amazingly amazingly intelligent little beings coming onto this earth. Have you noticed that? You know, it's um, uh, Marie, but one of the things that I am uh, 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 definitely believing in is that now on the one hand, right, in terms of numbers, we are certainly impressed and enjoy the fact that there are kids that are, quote unquote, very intelligent that are coming along. Uh, but there's also, I feel, um, a good lineage of children that represent the history of wisdom coming along. And I mm-hmm. put that in an even higher category. So consequently, the uh, my own impression, right, is that uh, we are blessed by the fact that wisdom exists, right, and in a cyclic fashion, right, there's always going to be some children of major accomplishment in terms of human development that are going to be present and work as dynamos, engines, right, to um, move us, inch us along in terms of the evolution of human consciousness. So hip, hip, hooray for both types of children um, and the that there's a complement between them because would it would be a sad affair if we had really, really bright people, but they lacked wisdom in terms of how they engage their brightness. So I hope they will, um, I have faith, I won't say hope, I have faith that they will be interfacing and we'll have a wonderful generation of uh, human development coming about. Yeah, you know, I've I've read um, 
you know, and I, I do, uh, in between my, my beach reads, I do some, some deep reading and, and there's been a lot, you know, coming up with, you know, the age of Aquarius and, and things changing and coming into fruition that there will be more advanced souls coming in, meaning, you know, more contemplative is another way of saying that wisdom. Um, so I, I really hope that's true. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think my grandbabies are, but doesn't everybody? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely so. I'm absolutely sure it's so. But, but the, it's y- interesting. Uh, very much, Marie. Because if you imagine that we're going to save ourselves from ourselves ultimately, that would imply that it's going to necessarily be true that we have people that are broadly more contemplative. And more. Um, if we were just to say, uh, in terms of compassion, for instance, People that have much more inclusiveness involved in their way of being because they feel for the planet at large and all the people involved in it. So, yes, I believe that because it uh, it's simply logical. You couldn't have global conflict resolution except for the fact that you have evolved people coming about. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because I watch, um, you know, my my older son is a millennial. You know, and I, I, and then my younger son is, I guess it's like Gen Y. I get mixed up, but it's the, it's the one under millennial. It's the next one down. I think it's Gen Y. And I, it's been really interesting to watch my kids um, growing up and to see how different um, young people are uh, as, as opposed to how it was for me growing up. Much more open minded, much more compassionate, um, much more, um, They've just been exposed to so many uh, different cultures through the internet and different types of people, and they're so accepting. They're so much more accepting, I think, than um, than my generation was, and certainly than my parents. Not to say that we're like, you know, horrible or anything, but I see them, and then I watch them parenting, and it's interesting to see that a lot of the parents now, even though they grew up with technology and they're really into technology. They don't give their kids as much screen time. They keep them away from that, and they get them involved in things that make them think. Mm -hmm. And they talk to them about a lot of different um, issues and thinking about things more open-mindedly. So I'm hoping we're going to see a shift. Mm -hmm. I definitely believe that we are witnessing um, shifts. Most importantly, um, if we make the assumption that we ourselves— feel ourselves to be a part of that shift. It would be very, very wise of us to also have faith that there are many other people who likewise have that same feeling and uh, understand how they are playing a role in being examples of what the future looks like now. If you were to take from those um, individuals and spread their personalities around the planet, there'd be world peace right now. Mm -hmm. So the evolution of what can be right now is, and it exists in the personality of many people who are tending toward more compassion, tending to be more self-reflective, right? Refining themselves, right? And it's a hard job because habits dominate in our personalities. Habits conditioned in behaviors dominate in the general environment all around the earth. Cycles play an extremely important role in creativity. So for us, some of our cycles are, are absolutely wonderful until they're not. Yeah. So we can have juvenile phases in our lives, and that's so wonderful until it's not. 
and then we have to shift out of it. We can have certain things that are involved in what we do on a daily basis for health and find out, nope, it's not as healthy as it needs to be, and we have to shift out of it. Thoughts, particularly as they are conditioned in by people around us, can feel very compelling in terms of how, if we wanted to characterize that type of habit, how I think. So to move away from thoughts, even when it might mean risk moving away from being um, celebrated, if you would, um, at least um, con conceived to be good company among people that you otherwise find to be fine folks, but you are growing in a way that doesn't seem to fit with what is okay for them. That type of movement, uh, breaking habits, because it's timely to do, to keep up with how nature has its own way, and you want to come into concord with nature's way, of creatively surviving destruction. Um, those old adages that we're familiar with, the darkest hour of the night is just before the dawn. Um, if there's no cross, there will be no crown. That sort of transition in personality is difficult, imperative to be done, and uh, I have faith that I'm not the only person, you're not the only person, thank God, that we're not the only people in the world who are doing it. Yeah, and and you know, Wolf, it's it's funny because one of the things I wanted to talk to you about tonight, which which really in a way segues from that and and is also building on things that we've talked about in past podcasts. So sure. you know, we've talked a lot about um how humanity mimics nature and the universe, right? And things come mm -hmm. into balance and, you know, the greater uh, the greater sum, the pieces of, you know, part of the whole, the pieces that are part of the whole. And so this has been just creeping up in my brain since, since we spoke la uh, the last time because we did touch upon it even maybe a little bit more, or maybe actually you and I touched upon it on a, on a conversation, an offline conversation. So I'm maybe mixing the two up, but talking about the fact that um, we all have sort of our place in um, moving things forward, right? So there's mm -hmm. uh, there's all different ways that we creatively try to make change or or do the right thing in the world. So we're all you know trying with ourselves. That's a piece of it. You know the individual, but then you might have some people that are. Um, coming up with creative solutions in more of an activist way. You may have some people that are starting nonprofits. You may have some people that are doing things that are more contemplative or mystical, but uh, everything and all of it is a sum of the greater whole. So every piece of that puzzle is important. What I'm trying to say is that we all have our place in trying to make things better, mm -hmm. and we all have our own way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. We don't all have to be doing it the same way. The fact is that if enough people are trying um, to move forward in a, uh, a contemplative way, however that may work for them, whether it's through activism or uh, teaching or talking about contemplative thought, all of that adds up. Like, so we all have our place. There isn't just one way to do it. It could be that you're just, maybe you're the person that writes the check. You know, maybe you're the person that um, is just really working on themselves at home and 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 uh, thinking about the way they move through the world. But every single one of those pieces adds up 
collectively to move everything forward. Did that? Yes. Uh, yes, indeed. I, I'm going to um, um, add another um, dimension right to that, Marie. So creativity are a couple of ideas to add to that. And thank you for what you had to say. I appreciated it. The creativity um, uh, is blanketly moving in all endless numbers of directions throughout the universe. So therefore, we can assume that if I see, and I'm going to use a simple analogy here, if I see a particular plant that has a glorious blossom, and I say, ah, that's an example of creativity. There's the blossom, and it is beautiful. And then I look and I see a small weed, and it also has a blossom, right? That same creativity, looking different in different places, right? But nonetheless, it's the same creativity that brought about both flowering experiences. So when it comes to human development, right, the old expressions like um, don't judge a person until you walk in their shoes can have that meaning that it may appear that they're not as creative in terms of the uh, tendencies that we, the way we generally will frame up creativity as something that can stand on a stage and be brilliant in terms of its appearance. Mm -hmm. But most uh, of us, most of the time, right, the creativity that we're involved with is very humble and, and very much not um, appearing to be stuff that's stage worthy. Nonetheless, in terms of how the universe works, the truth is that it is, in fact, creativity that is bringing about right these changes. Uh, we call them virtues, right? That here's the idea I wanted to add on. It's not simply a direct more being added on in a cause and effect way. Mm -hmm. But it's also more being added in a very indirect way, transpersonal, right? So that the coordination that's going on is not simply direct, but also hyper indirect, right? Uh, the mysticism, mystical humanism is what I term it. Mm -hmm. And so when we had had our conversation offline, it was about the fact that there is reciprocity, this interaction of seeming opposites that's forever going on throughout the world, always. No day without night, no hot without cold, no up without down, no left without right, reciprocity of that nature. The others in terms of um, talking about the all-inclusive uh, cosmic and chaos, that everything is in some way or another revealing some one of the influences of the primary principles of the universe, positive, negative, right? So creative, destructive. So consequently, if I were to think that creativity only looks a particular way, this type struggle where you're holding up the banner of holiness or um, civil discipline, and that's the only place that this creativity uh, or the only way in which to understand creativity being done, that would be a mistake. Because you can have someone who looks absolutely not on that same line, but the inward struggle that's going on for them to do their best, right, may be even more powerful than my own, except that the struggle, what they're having to deal with outwardly or inwardly, right, might make it extremely difficult to perceive it. So that's why it's careful, and we must be careful not to judge too abjectly, too sharply, yet at the same time understanding there are standards that we want to move toward, right? Love thy neighbor as thyself is a standard that I 
want to move toward and hope that others are moving toward, ultimately, are on the way to having faith in that standard, even if for a time it doesn't appear so. Yeah, and, and you, there was something uh, that we also talked about within that context that I thought, you know, I, I thought about it a lot after you after you said it, um, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but so it's the idea that, you know, we can make all these changes outwardly, we can put new laws into effect, we can, you know, make these changes that, that they have to be done. I'm not saying that stuff doesn't have to be done, but if we don't all inwardly um, think about how we're moving through the world, then we're still going to have the conflict because we can, not that the laws and and maybe laws aren't just the only word, not that the, the laws and these thought processes aren't going to help, they will help, but we also are the people within that system have to be thinking about mature tendencies and virtues, or the systems are going to break down. So you have both. You have to have, I guess it would be social construct as well as, I'm just going to say, humanism construct. I don't even know if that's a word, but the mystical humanism. I mean, so you can have the social construct of, okay, we're setting things up so everything will be equal and there won't be any more war and this group won't oppress that group. We we have to set those things up, but then the people within those social constructs who are us, if we're not moving through the world the right way, we're going to break those social constructs down again. Yes, absolutely. It's in one very simplistic way, um, perhaps an elegant way. The only reason we need laws is because of um, inadequate maturity. So one could say that and mean that I don't need to have a law to tell me to treat um, my neighbors well. Uh, so were it to be that we, once we do uh, have standards in culture such that more and more increasing holistic maturity, and I, I add that term holistic to, to mean that um, by means of compassion, we end up having far more identity with other people rather than to uh, stay at a stage of human development where we are only identified with those that are of my kind, um, so to speak, very simply. But if I mature, right, holistically, then the thing that guides me to do right, right, is not the law, right? That, uh, that might otherwise be relevant at a stage when I'm um, not as mature as I should be. But it's really not the law, right, that's guiding me, right? It's empathy. Um, that's guiding me in terms of care for others. It's identity uh, and it's intuiting nature's way of engaging in change. So it, so it's interesting to me, and, and this is kind of a question that maybe is out there in left field a little bit, but we talk about, um, you know, balance and opposites, you know, um, positive, negative, up, down, black, white, you know, light, dark. Is it, if that tension, if you will, maybe tension, polarization, I don't know what the right word is for that, to keep that balance where you have the opposites. Mm -hmm. Is it like if everybody really did um, do unto others as they wanted them to do unto them, you know, if we really got to that point as a society, mm -hmm. 
can that be something that doesn't have an opposite? Like, can we actually, is there, is it possible to ever get to a point where you don't have the negative aspect of human nature? Everything is just positive. Mm-hmm. Or would that put things out of balance? Does well, that make it, sense? It does make sense. The um, If we um, assume, right, that there's some static point, we grow we're maturing beautifully, and then there's some static point that we arrive at, right? That, I say, would be mistaken. Um, change is always happening in some form or another. And so consequently, right, adaptation to change, what's going to be new? What's, how do I keep a standard, a certain constancy in my personality that's available to be adaptive with regard to the certitude that change is going to come about in some form or another. So I don't think we ever have to worry about reaching a point at which there isn't an opposite, if you would, that how I am today can't be better tomorrow, in other words, right? That, uh, okay. um, and the challenges that I have been won't be uh, the challenges that are now completely vanquished from the picture, but rather that was in the past and now the new ones are coming over the horizon and my, adapt- my adaptive abilities have become refined and I can, I'll handle it. Whatever it is, I'll handle it. And the most important thing being handling it with, here would be the constancy, with dignity. Um, see if I can maintain um, my identity right, with um, what might be a, a, an affliction. Um, for instance, our, our people that would be um, the sources of affliction I'm always impressed with, um, uh, from the uh, Christian experience, um, the words of Christ, if I am quoting correctly here, um, being hung on the cross and saying about the um, perpetrators, God God forgive them for they know not what they do. What an incredible, right, idea. Instead of assailing them, right, swearing at them, Mm -hmm. there is uh, an identity with, a sympathy with, their ignorance, God forgive them. They know not what they do. So that they do not know, right? Now we would know clearly he's not saying they don't see or perceive that there's this person hanging on a cross. So that is not the type of knowing that he's talking about. There's a quality of maturity then, knowing by means of a certain status in our perspective, such that you wouldn't do this were it to be that you were mature enough. So that constant availability to mature in some way, new, that would be evidence there in that um, situation from um, the um, history of religions where the mythic ideal is that whatever new I have to face, right, the creativity is nonetheless available for me to project into the environment. So the goal is to be continuously getting better and and um, adapting to a higher point as opposed to devolving into chaos, into chaotic, because there's actually the, the um, well, there's the, right now, I mean, the way things are now, it could kind of go either way. Now, I'm rooting for, I'm, I really believe in um, people. I believe that I have faith that the majority of people 
every, I believe everybody has good in them. I really do. I, I honestly do. Um, I don't know if there's pure evil in the world, and I'm sure there's different ways of defining that. But I think overall, most people have really good intent. They just don't always know how to get there. So I'm really rooting for the fact that we're going to pull ourselves out of this, um, I'm just going to call it conundrum we have ourselves in right now. But there is that propensity to go either way, right? So the goal is to just continue to adapt to the positive, to the maturity in a way that um, is positive versus mm-hmm. going in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Definitely so. There- you can reach a situation where, uh, in terms of, or rather, not say simply reach a situation, uh, there are always situations wherein we are dealing with somebody's dependency. And so the, the meaning, you look at a baby, right? The, the baby cannot do this, cannot do that. There's a natural dependency that it has on the adult to care for it. And so we'd say, in terms of talking about that baby's effects on the world, you don't really read the baby's effect right on the world, except you understand that it depends, naturally depends on all of its conceivable effects, right? Which can be untimely, screaming, but someone understands, um, hungry, but someone's there to feed, uh, needing to be changed, someone's there to do that. So we understand dependency as a natural condition in life. When you have the psychology of a baby, and we'll progress it somewhat to an adolescent, and then overall to think if someone doesn't mature well, then their dependency right remains there. So if I, in dealing with the dependency of many adults who do not seem to be right progressive, right, I still have the power to uh, affect what their behaviors mean because it's happening within me. I'm the one who's interpreting with or without sympathy. So I can be very practical and say these people need to be pushed back, right, shoved back, or whatever it may be to handle them. But I don't want to lose my sympathy. And if I don't lose my, lose my sympathy, I can um, not make them guilty, right, in the same way that I would say about myself, right, so much as Deserving of sympathy, even when they need to be handled in ways to contain the uh, detriments that they would do. So um, I'm in charge of whether the world will go progressive or not, because I put all that weight on myself that um, it's going to be better because I'm going to keep at learning how to judge the world with sympathy, which doesn't mean I'm impractical doesn't mean I wouldn't defend myself. doesn't mean that I can't understand the necessity of laws. doesn't mean that I don't understand how vigorous attention must be paid to um, educating people so as to um, become as beautiful in their humanity as possible. I, even with understanding all of that, um, I know that the primary weight has to be on me. I am deciding whether history is going to be meaningful or not. Uh, in a positive way, because um, it's the nature of being an individual. We are all interpreting all the time. Let's hope that we can interpret in a beautiful way all the time. Yeah. And and that sympathy slash empathy is really key 
Um, and it doesn't really even mean that you have to like somebody. Like, it doesn't mean like you have to hang out with them. You know, it just means that you, you know, means what it says. Have some yeah. sympathy and some empathy because, and that's hard. I mean, and, and I've, we've talked about that before. That's hard. Uh, that's probably, I would guess, one of the hardest things for people to do um, when they're faced with somebody of uh, deeply opposing views, whether it be, you know, lately, I think we've seen a lot of it based around politics in this country, probably in other countries, too, you know, everywhere. But, you know, very often those things are based on very things that people get very emotional about religion, um, politics. Uh, and, and I see so much fear. It's almost like from what I see uh, is that the fear is what stops people sometimes from having that sympathy. Like the fear overtakes them of, you know, I, I, I don't know what they think is going to happen, but um, it's, that's probably like, to me, I think that's, well, it goes into the, it does go into the whole idea of do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. But I think that that, that is the hardest thing for people right now that I can see is having that sympathy and empathy for people that just have really deeply opposing views. And and I I struggle with it sometimes myself in certain instances, not um, not as much as maybe I, I, I could, but um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. That's a really, that's a hard one, Wolf. Tips you, on that. We yeah. need a Wolf tip. <laughs> the, uh, one of the um, ways of um, having more sympathy is always understanding that um, we are, um, all together, human, humans, all together. We are relatively young, uh, in terms of our, our entry right into, um, the biosphere here, our type of consciousness. And so early stages of human development are right to be compared with early stages of a child's development. So my sympathy for a little child making a mistake is huge. Because it's a little child. And by means of that child's psychology, those mistakes are to be expected. The more mistakes the child makes, right, the more uh, it is incumbent on me, right, to grow up, to maintain the attitude. So if I understand that somebody else's deficits are always my opportunity, right, to evolve sympathetic understanding, one way of doing that is to understand that our collective immaturity is still the largest experience for human beings. So narrow-minded, restricted tendencies in, in, in our uh, perspectives are more likely to be expected than not. We end up worshiping right ideal behavior, and that's what you see in religion. You worship the ideal but manifesting the ideal, right, is far more complicated, far more difficult to do. So consequently, I think that if we were to study more about or, or understand what, that though we are chronologically, right, those of us who good, good, got uh, good chronological age on us, older, we still bear responsibility for something that doesn't move quite as fast, and that is that collectively, we're not as mature as we need to be. And it's not unnatural, right, for that to be so. So right now we're at a point where it would seem to be that in terms of our effects on the 
the playpen, right? The environment, the biosphere <laughs> that nature is saying, kids, right? Um, you have got to grow because uh, we've tolerated, right? It's been rough, but we've tolerated your immaturity. It's been natural to be there, but now it's time for you to become more grown. The manner in which we can become more grown, right? Those of us who are thinking about it carefully is education. Where does that happen? Usually, most education is in casual relationships, not in the universities, right? It's on the streets, it's on the corner, it's in the homes. That's where we're being influenced if we make those terms synonymous, education and influence. So, if someone is not going to be my friend, even without their knowing it, and it, and it might be best, but they're going to be in the atmosphere of my understanding nonetheless. So consequently, it's on me to carry around uh, great extents of civilization in my personality all the time. So not everybody is going to be right for being a direct friend with one another. But within your consciousness, it should be a friendly atmosphere, right? With regard to understanding, people are going to be different. Some are going to be profoundly immature. You're going to work your butt off to have more maturity come about. How do you do that? Trust in nature. That if I do it well, something about my personality, something about all the personalities that are engaged in being virtuous, the effects, the dynamics of virtues are not simply located in a one arena, but they have transpersonal effects on dynamics so that some of the immature behaviors will progressively change. I believe that's why we have women's rights, because the slow, steady progress, I believe that's why we have changes moving about in terms of racial relations, that same effect coming from the virtues and personalities in varying places. So right now, concentration with regard to that is what's called for, because if the others, due to their dependency, rely on those on whom they can depend, those of us on whom the others depend must do a better job. So basically, by cultivating a more mature virtuous uh, personality, you can become a teachable moment. All the time. Just it, 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 It's just all those little interactions. And like you said, it doesn't have to be that you're on a stage or you're mm-hmm. winning an award. And, the, and it's that does not detract from people who were doing that. It's just that there are, like kind of going back to what we said initially, is like we're all part of a sum of the greater whole. So all the ways mm-hmm. that we're creatively moving through the world and doing our parts, it, it's all important. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, we've said this before, like you're not powerless. No. And it's so easy to feel like you are. You know, it's so easy to see the enormity of some of these things and think, well, pfft, how can I make a difference, right? Like that's huge. But just you know, what was it that people used to say, I may not be able to change the world, but I can make a change in my own backyard. Mm-hmm. And and that own backyard could be right in your house. It could be within yourself, right? So if it I can, all is adding up. It, it, and uh, I'm sorry, Marita, I've overspoken no, you there. Excuse I was me. Done. 
I was but, done. But think about this. One of the um, teachings, right, appropriate to um, have people understand, is that what you're doing in your backyard, right, is changing the world. And it's not simply by means of a, the daisy chain or right, the one thing added up with another, right? That it, Not to say that that's to be discounted, mm-hmm. cause and effect. I'm not talking about discounting it at all. But there's the a-causal, not happening by cause and effect. There's a magical, mysterious effect. So that um, that relationship of what seems to be small arena virtuous behavior has global consequences. So it's everybody's role, right, to play leader in the evolution of civilization. Some of us hopefully will do it better than others, but with humility. So you'd know if I have that capacity to do better, to call on my better angels, right? Then call, damn it, because the others depend on you doing so. So that's the mysticism. Yes, that's definitely. the the mm-hmm. yeah because yeah because it's not just what you see, what you touch, what you feel, what you you know what's Absolutely. right in front of you. It's I'm going to use the word energy, um, uh, but it is it's that it's that piece of our soul of our inner being that light. People say light beings, and there's like all these buzzwords now, but it's really true that 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 permeates into the universe as well. And not only as well, right, it is the fundament, right, the spiritual nature. When we use the term principle, the spiritual nature of life, right, is fundamental, right, to the practical. So, and again, if we're in science, we're talking about spirit. Uh, I use the term uh, um, to principle when I use it. I know that I'm referring to something that does not have form but gives form to everything. And in religious language where it says God is in the world, but not of the world. I know it's trying to um, um, echo what's meant by being and non-being. So on and on and on, we can have different terminology to suggest the same thing, that we are more than what we appear to be because we come from a universe, right, that is both common, practical, just as you see it, and also magical, right, not at all that as you would otherwise imagine. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. I was I was reading something the other day, and God knows what, because I'm always reading something. Um, I read it all on the internet, so I know it's true. No, that's not true. <laughs> it wasn't on the internet. It was in the book. But it was just that it was just uh, somebody just saying the fact that uh, most people, there's magic all around us, but most people miss it because they're not they don't believe it or they're not looking for it. And I'm not talking about like, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat, Rocky or anything like that. But there Mm -hmm. are miracles and magical things and things happening around us all the time that if we just um, open our minds to look for it, Mm -hmm. you know, even synchronicity, right? That's like the, the easiest one I think is everybody will tell you how many, like they've been thinking about somebody and that person calls, right? Mm-hmm, everybody mm-hmm. will say that that's like a really my, but there are things like that going on all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, very important would be now, if I want to um, have my magic, if you would, my spiritual dimension to uh, play a role in something practical, what would I want? I would want peace. So therefore, if I think, I want my spirituality 
to aggregate more tendencies to peace, then it has to begin with me. So I would work with the potential to change, spiritual potentials to change, practical potentials to change, and I locate the power for that in my personality. So in my personality then, the term that um, commonly used, and we need to think about it more, virtues. So that I interface, if there's too much on one side, I counterbalance it, right? Um, a virtue. Uh, patience is a virtue, right? So that I can stay centered, right? Learning how to engage with things that are tending toward conflict, but my attitude is one that engages tendencies toward conflict resolution. Virtues. So, that concentration on moving through life as an instrument of universal creativity. It's a good way to think. Well, Wolf, I think we've we've said a mouthful okay, today. Okay, miss. Okay. And, but I want, do you have something for us? Because you always have a fabulous um, little tidbit to end our podcast with. And I'm wondering what you've brought to the to the table today, Wolf. Marie, bless your heart. I'm going to repeat two statements that come from works that I recorded before. In the book, The Way to See Whole, which is a contemplative, contemplative audio book that I created for helping uh, individuals to self-cultivate um, our personalities, their personalities, toward peace. There's a statement, understanding the nature of change changes the nature of understanding. Understanding the nature of change changes the nature of understanding. And then there was a lecture um, that I recorded, contemplative lecture, and it was meant to be, is meant to be, a complement to the Earth Charter, which was put together by Stephen Rockefeller. And it says, never hold growth hostage to how you believe, but learn to believe such that growth is insured. Never hold growth hostage to how you believe, but learn to believe such that growth is insured.